0: Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon and be blessed.
1: We're going to continue studying in the book of Acts and uh, wrestling with what God is not only doing um, approximately a couple thousand years ago, but what God is saying to us through what he has done and the blessing that we have that's been recorded for us in Scripture. And so turn over to uh, Acts chapter 17, we're going to continue studying this passage, but uh, I want to begin by, uh, I guess you could say, asking a, a bit of a strange question this morning uh, to all of uh, the, the women that are married. Does your wife, or uh, to the women, uh, to the wives, does your husband listen to you? Yeah, you don't have to answer out loud. Um, does your husband listen to you? Um, I was watching a comedian this, this past week, and he was talking about the, the relationship between the husband and the wife. And then in that, um, he said that he went to uh, the kitchen, and he asked his wife, where is the ketchup? And then she said, it's in the refrigerator, wherever it was. It's in the refrigerator on this shelf, uh, and it's right there. And so he goes to the refrigerator, he opens it up, and he looks and he says, uh, where, is, where is it at? I, I, don't, I don't see it. And she said, I already told you, this is exactly where it's at. And he's like, well, I, you're going to have to come help me because I can't find it. He's looked and he's looked. And uh, she comes in and she grabs it for him and she says, I told you exactly where it was at. And he said, well, I, I didn't hear what it was that you were actually saying. And I thought, you know, so many times in our lives, as I, as I heard that there was a lot more to that story, um, but there are so many times in our lives that that's how we live in relationship with each other, Right. Uh, Some of us are saying something, but yet it's hard to actually hear what the other person is saying, because sometimes in conversation, we actually bring our preconceived notions into that conversation. And even though we're asking a question, we already have the answer in our head before we actually hear what the other person is actually saying to us. And the perfect illustration of that, parents, is when you have kids, right? (laughs) Right? because your kids ask something, but before they get the question out of their mouth, they already have determined in their mind what the answer is, right? And so you say one thing, but they actually hear something else. Uh, that's, That's true for all of us. And if we would be honest, we kind of live our life that way. But the question for all of us is, are you a good listener? And if we all answered that question, we would all say, yeah, we're a good listener. We're all good listeners. We think that we all, all of us are. I remember when I was in elementary school, our teacher actually gave us a piece of paper, and we had to turn it face down on our desk. I don't remember. I was probably fourth or fifth, maybe even sixth grade, uh, right in there somewhere. And so she gave us the piece of paper. We turned it down on our desk, and she said, I want you to listen to me, and I'll tell you what you need to do. In my mind... I wanted to get the piece of paper done. Because at that age, whoever got it turned in first was the smartest person in the class. And it didn't matter how many you got right or how many you got wrong. It was just hurry up and get it done so you can turn it in, and then you're the smartest one in the class. There was just such great joy of taking the paper and being the first one to lay it on the teacher's desk. But the teacher said, Uh, papers are face down. I want you to listen to me and I'll tell you what you need to do. She said, all of the directions for you are on this piece of paper at the very beginning. Read the directions and then complete the problems. I I think they were math problems. We turned it over. I read it. uh, Just the first little sentence, there was probably four or five things at the top of the piece of paper of instructions of what you needed to do. I went through, I answered all of the questions I got done first. I went to the teacher's desk. I laid it down on the teacher's desk and then made that bold, proud walk back to my desk because I was the first one to get it done and lay it on the teacher's desk. And then within a few minutes, after everybody was finished, um, I got my paper back and it said zero F at the top, at the top of the paper. I was so frustrated and went and looked at all of the ones that I did. And I got almost all of the problems right. And I couldn't figure out why I had a zero, an F on my paper. And the last instruction said, do not complete any of these problems. Turn this paper in blank. I thought I was a good listener. And the teacher said, turn your paper over and read the directions. Had I completed all of the directions first, I would have got to that last one and said, don't do any of the problems. Turn your paper in blank. I thought I was a good listener. I thought I was good at directions. I thought that I was good. However, in my mind, the preconceived answer to everything the teacher was saying is hurry up and get the paper done and hurry up and turn it in so that you can then move on to something else. Quite honestly... This is how we live life, right? We think that we have the solutions to the problems that life throws at us. And we want to hurry up and solve the problem to come up with a solution so that we can then move on to something else. And in the overwhelming times of life, every one of us are guilty. I'll be the chiefest in this. We're guilty of getting a problem or facing a problem figuring it out, and moving on, because there's always another problem, or there's always another hurdle, there's always another obstacle, or there's always another mountain in front of us. And the less time that we spend on the problem at hand in the moment, the better off we think we're going to be actually down the road. But the truth of the matter is God desires for us to be good listeners, God wants us to bring our problems and bring our hurdles, our obstacles, the mountains of life to Him so that He can provide the solutions, so that we don't have to carry the weight of life and problems and mountains and obstacles and hurdles on our shoulders, but instead so that we can give those to Him and we can take His yoke on us instead of the yoke of life itself because His burden is easy and his yoke is light but we're not good listeners we're not good at having conversations with God about all of the problems that we actually have or all of the things that actually are in front of us but what we do sometimes is we think oh I have experienced this and so then I know how to actually deal with this Or I've heard somebody, I had a friend go through this, or I know what the outcome of of this situation is, or this problem is, and so I'll just hurry up and address it, and then I won't bother God because he's got so many things going on in life right now, in the world right now, that I'll just deal with this on my own because I know how to handle this, and I won't bother God or I won't worry God right now. And you know, that is a tactic of the enemy that he wants to use in our lives. He wants us to think, oh, you're smart enough to figure it out on your own. God has some bigger problems going on in the world, so leave God alone and then just work on your own. But you know, my experience has been in those moments of life, when I do that, sometimes they turn out okay, but more often than not, I create a bigger mess than there actually originally was. In Acts chapter 17 as I read this uh, middle section of Acts chapter 17, and I wrestled with this passage of Scripture of what the Lord wants to say to us. I think God wants to say to us as a refuge of grace, we have to be good listeners. We have to be people that are committed to listening to God instead of living life listening half-heartedly to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all The universe. But instead, our default is to treat our prayer time with Him uh, as simply getting things off of our chest in order to make us feel better. And so we approach our time with God of just a laundry list of things that we want God to hear about so that we can get them off of our chest to make ourselves feel better so that God hears it, but then we don't wait For the conversation that God wants to actually have with us. And so we think that just telling God everything is all that we need to do. But just telling God is simply half of the battle. The next half comes in having a listening ear to what God says. Not like the husband who goes to the refrigerator actually asking for ketchup instead of listening for the answer of where it's at, having the preconceived notion, oh, it's got to be on this shelf because this is where it was at last time. And so I'm only going to look at this shelf and I'm not going to listen for what the actual answer is. Here in Acts chapter 17, we actually, if we remember what Paul in the situation that he's in right now, he's on his second missionary journey. He began this with Silas, and then he picked up Timothy along the way. And then in this, he has just been to one of the Greek towns of Thessalonica. And here in this town, as Paul began in the temple sharing the good news of the gospel and and sharing how God had radically transformed his life, the people in the town were not listening, and they had their preconceived notions on the outcome of the scriptures that they were actually reading, and they confronted Paul and actually ran him out of town. They arrested a guy named Jason because Jason had taken Paul and the others on the journey into his house. They had to get him out on bond simply because they were sharing the things that they had heard from God in their relationship. The promise for us is that God is a God who is still speaking today, just as he was in Acts chapter 17. In fact, when Jesus was with his disciples and one of my favorite sections of the book of John, in John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said these words, "'My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me.'" And there's two parts of this passage that Jesus said that I want you to catch. At the beginning, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. The key part, Jesus said, there is the listening part. And the last part is, they follow me. And so what Jesus is saying is it's not just that he is a God who speaks because he is, but it's not just that. He's a God who speaks, but then he reminds us that we, his sheep or his children, actually are obedient and we follow what he says. The only way that we get there is to transform our prayer life to be something that we talk to God, but yet we wait for God to have a conversation back with us. And if Jesus is a God who speaks, and he says he is, because my sheep hear my voice, they listen to my voice, and then he said they are obedient, well, how can you be obedient to something that you haven't heard in the very beginning? Jesus is saying, I speak, I'm a God who wants to be active in your life. And the reason that He wants to be active and speak into our life is so that we can follow and be obedient and walk in the goodness and faithfulness of God always in all of our lives. The key word is listen. Listen, Jesus said. My sheep hear. My sheep hear. They listen to my voice, and then they actually walk in following Him. The amazing thing for me that we sing about this morning and we talk about every single Sunday is that God is a God that is faithful to to speak to his people. We could go through the scripture over and over and over and over and, and time and time again and we can see a God who's speaking, people who are listening and people who are following. God who's speaking, people that are disobedient, they get into an issue and then they come back to a God who speaks and then they walk forward in obedience. The scripture opens in Genesis with a God who is speaking. It ends in the book of Revelation with a God who is speaking at the end of time. And if God spoke at the beginning Of time and God spoke at the end of time, then, therefore, we must see from scripture and experience that everything in between, God is a God who is speaking. The question for us are we a people, a children who are actually listening? This is the God that we serve, and it is not out of a religious ritual, it is out of a love for His people. God is speaking. God is speaking to us. Are we a people that are listening? We see throughout the scripture that he's spoken through prophets. He's spoken through preachers. He's spoken through kings. He's spoken through the mouthpiece of shepherds. He's spoken through men and women. He speaks in creation. At one point, he's spoken through a donkey, and another, he spoke in silence. The truth is, God is involved in every area of his creation. We could say he's omnipresent, He's with everything all of the time and he's never an absent God. He is always a God that is actually speaking to us. But the problem when it comes to listening is not God hearing us, but are we actually hearing God? God is speaking. He's hearing what we say, but are we hearing what God is saying to us? We often think, that it's our job to do all of the talking in the relationship. But why would we, the creation, put a muzzle on God and say, God, I'm the one gonna do all the talking. You can't talk. Why do we treat, now that's an extreme analogy, but why then do we treat God actually that way? We treat God by doing all of the talking, like we are lecturing him. But he wants us to actually hear From him. So think about this. There is no other God that people would say is God. A false God. You can name them. We could go on and on in naming them this morning. There is no other God who wants to have a relationship like this with his people. And to prove this is the relationship he wants to have with his people. He came in the flesh in Jesus Christ and died in order to make this possible. There's no other God who would come to die. And then there's no other God to go a step further to then actually have this intimate relationship with his creation that he's a God who speaks. Listen, you can name the gods and you can speak, but they're not hearing. And there's no way that they're going to speak back because they don't exist. But with Jesus Christ, with Yahweh, with the Holy Spirit, He is a God who's involved to the point that when we speak, He's inviting, or when we speak, He invites us into conversation with Him so that we can converse with the God who died for us. The problem is not, though, with God hearing us. The question is, are you... Hearing God. And honestly, I wholeheartedly believe that that's what was happening in Acts chapter chapter 17. Take a look in verse 10. Now, it's not spelled out completely here. And it doesn't say the people heard direct from God. But we have to dive into this passage of Scripture. We have to digest it. And we have to say, what is really taking place in this relationship? So Paul is ran out of Thessalonica. He's scared because Jason had just been arrested. They were hot on his trail and they actually sent him out of town and they said, hey, get out of town here. We want you to go down to Berea. So in verse 10, it says, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, They went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, this was Paul's pattern because of his background and because of his education. He would often go to the Jewish synagogue. And I believe that the reason that Paul would go to the Jewish synagogue is because they were already digging through the Scripture of the prophets. Now, they didn't have the New Testament during this time. It hadn't been written yet. Uh, All of the Old Testament had not been compiled just yet. They had bits and pieces of the letters from the prophets. And they would go through these passages of Scripture in the Jewish synagogue. And every one of these Old Testament prophets pointed everybody back to God Almighty, to Yahweh, to the true God. And in this, what they learned in the passage of Scriptures from the prophets was that God was a God who was actually speaking to them. We see it all throughout Isaiah. We see it all throughout. They had some of the Psalms. We see it throughout the Psalms where David was having conversation with God and then David would pour out his heart to God and then God would have conversation back with David. These were the passages of Scripture that they were actually digging apart and they were reading. They were having conversation about. They were studying. They were memorizing. They were learning about the God who is a God that communicates with His people and Paul would when he go to these towns he would step into the Jewish synagogue and they would be having these deep conversations about God and Paul would say I want to tell you about this God who actually then came in the flesh he did this one time when they were reading through the prophets the prophecy in Isaiah about Jesus actually coming And in this prophecy, uh, they would have this conversation and read and discuss who actually this God was and looking for the future Messiah. And Paul showed up and he said, I want to tell you that his name is Jesus Christ. Probably that's what was taking place here in this passage of Scripture because Paul had done it in other Jewish synagogues. And then in verse 11, it says, now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So in this passage of Scripture, what we actually see in the beginning of this was that these people here in Berea were a people of noble character. This noble character actually came from their devotion to God's word. They were committed to what God had said through the Scripture. They were committed to this type of relationship. And they were eagerly seeking the Messiah to actually come and to actually save them. The bottom line here is these people were committed to God's Word. And then when Paul shows up and he says, I want to tell you about God who did come in the flesh already. They opened their ears. They began to listen to God in a new way. And then they took the Scripture that they were committed to, the Word of God that they were committed to, and they studied it every single day to make certain that what Paul was saying was the actual gospel. I believe that they took the initiative. They put in the effort to have a relationship with God Almighty. Verse 11 tells us, they examined the Scripture every day. Every day they put in the effort to be able to have this relationship with God and to hear, did God come in the flesh? Did God die for us? Did God pay our sin debt? Did God defeat sin? Did God come, Emmanuel, God with us? But sometimes we say, now these people were committed to the Scripture. They put in the effort to understand the Scripture. They took the initiative in this. But sometimes we say, well, you know, I've read the Bible, and I just don't understand it, but I would read it more if I actually understood what it was actually saying to me. And it may be hard to understand sometimes as you read it. But here's here's the bottom line. Every one of us would ask God to actually speak to us. Every one of us want to be able to hear from God. The truth of the matter is God has spoken, and it's recorded for us here in His Word. And if we want to hear God speak, then we have to be committed to opening the Bible and getting into the Bible, whether we understand it or not. Because if we are committed to this Scripture then we are committed. Remember last week we said this is a kingdom manuscript. It teaches us about the king of the kingdom that we are a part of. And in order to be a kingdom people, we have to be in the kingdom manuscript to learn about the king. Well, I also go a step further and say if you want to hear from the king, you've got to be in the kingdom manuscript. He's spoken and he's given it to us from Genesis to Revelation as his holy word. He's spoken. You can't say he hasn't if you're not committed to his word. Now the Bereans were committed to his word. They were committed to the law and the prophets. They were committed to reading the scriptures, and they digested it. They took the effort. They took the initiative. They got into the word of God, and when they got into the word of God, God revealed himself to them. Now notice, whenever Paul showed up in Berea and he went to the Jewish synagogue, they did not have an understanding of who Jesus actually was. You see, they too could say, we've read the Scriptures, and we get what's being said, but we don't totally understand all of this. But as they were committed, despite their lack of understanding of who Jesus was, as they were committed... To being in the scripture. And as they were committed to understanding God, God actually gave them understanding. And so you may be here this morning and you may say, well, I don't read the scripture because I really don't understand it. I want to challenge you and give you a little bit of a pushback and say, get in the word of God. And as you read something, and if you don't understand it, then pray and ask God to give you His wisdom and understanding. Because true wisdom and true understanding can only come in relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you do not have wisdom from reading the Scripture, and if you do not have understanding from reading the Scripture, then all you have to do is get into the Scripture and ask God to actually give that to you. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that you ignore it. If you don't understand it, you don't ignore it and you don't run away from it. Let's be honest. Men, do you understand your wives? Wives, do you understand your husbands? No. We don't think the same way, right? But do we say, hey, I don't understand her or I don't understand him. So I'm going to move to the house next door and I'm just going to ignore her or ignore him because I don't understand him. No, we don't do that. Why? Because we need that person in our life. We believe that God gave us that person to be in our life. The two become one. And in the one flesh, we give God glory and we give God praise. Just because you don't understand your spouse doesn't mean that you run from your spouse. Well, that's true In God's Word as well. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean you put it on the coffee table or on a shelf and let it collect dust and ignore it. Because if you did that with your spouse, the relationship's going to die. Well, that's true with God's Word. The strength of your relationship with God is directly tied to your commitment to His Word. And if you want to have a strength, if you want to have a strong relationship with God, then you have to have a strong commitment to His Word. Because it's here where God speaks to His people. And we cry out and we cry out and we cry out and say, God, I need you to speak to me. And He's begging us, I have, I have, I have. Get into my Word. You'll find it here. We've got to be a people that's committed to God's word. We have to be a, com- a people like the Bereans that put in the effort and they took the initiative and they understood the word of God. And when they didn't understand it, they wrestled with it. They had conversations about it. They prayed about it, but they kept coming back to the word of God. And the beautiful thing that I think from this passage of scripture in Acts chapter 17 is as the Bereans kept getting into the God's word, there their lives were changed. And they entered into relationship with Jesus Christ. The amazing thing here for me in verse 12 of Acts chapter 17 it says, Many of the Jews believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. We'll see these prominent women and Greek men in the future and the vital role that they play in the church as Paul is pouring into them and they are pouring into their house churches. But the amazing thing in verse 12 we get is their lives were changed. Why were their lives changed? Because they were committed to the Word of God. Your life will not be changed unless you get into God's Word. You've got to get into it. You've got to put in the effort. You've got to take the initiative and let God's Word get inside of you. But God not only speaks through His Word, the Bible, He also speaks direct to every one of us who will listen to Him. God is not limited to the pages in this book. God is active, He's alive, and He's moving. And while He has spoken in the Bible, He also speaks directly to every single one of us. On Wednesday night, we've been diving through the book of Revelation. And there are two verses at the beginning of Revelation that are vital in this moment of understanding. A God that speaks to us. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 29, Jesus says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, they didn't have the Word of God at that moment. They did not have all of this recorded in the way that we do in 50 translations in 10 books in our houses and on our phone every bo- uh, translation of the bible and countless commentaries they didn't have any of that they had the spirit of god that was moving in the church and here, the reminder from God Almighty in Revelation chapter 2, as he's about to pour out into John a direct revelation from Jesus Christ, who received it from God Almighty, he says, If you have ears, let you, you, if you have ears, hear what the Spirit is actually saying to the churches. So the reminder from Jesus in this moment is that he is not only a God who speaks from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible, But He is a God who's active, and He's a God who's alive, and He's a God who's at work in every detail of our life. And if we will open our ears, we will be able to hear what the Spirit is actually saying to us. And then in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus, in this famous passage of Scripture, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, this is not a physical thing that Jesus is trying to do in this moment in Revelation chapter 3. Jesus has not arrived on the scene with John on the island of Patmos here. And he's not saying, hey, I'm I'm at the door and I'm knocking. Open the door and then let me in and we're going to sit down and we're going to have a meal. Jesus is talking about the spiritual realm, not just for the churches and John in the moment, but for every single one of us as well. And Jesus is saying, I'm over here, and I'm at your heart's door, and I'm knocking on your heart's door. And if you would be willing to sit down with me and have a conversation rooted in the Word of God and rooted in where I have placed you, then we can have this conversation. If you are willing... Again, the key part here in Revelation chapter 3. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice. Again, going back to what Jesus said in John chapter 10. My sheep listen to my voice. The truth of the matter for every single one of us. God has spoken in his word. He has spoken in the recorded word of God, the Bible, but he is also speaking through the Holy Spirit to your life, even right now in this moment. The question is, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you just going to the refrigerator, opening the door, and looking at where you think the answer should be, and ignoring the answer from God that's actually coming to you. God is a God that is actually speaking. God is a God that is actively and intimately involved in every detail of your life, and he has answers for the problems, the hurdles, the mountains, and the obstacles in your life. But are you listening? In a refuge of grace, to function the way that God would like for us to function, We have to be a people that are committed to the Word of God, but then hearing what the Spirit is also saying to the church. You see, there's so many different ways that God speaks. So many different ways, but it all starts right here in the Word of God. Now, I want to give you a word of caution here. Because there are a lot of people that will show up in your life, and they'll say, God said this. I always chuckle at people who seem to have the answers for my life. But don't you think if God is intimately involved in our lives the way that he truly is, that if he has a word for you, he'll speak to you? Now, there are some times we've silenced God and there is no room. And so he'll send creation. He send a donkey in the Old Testament. He'll send other people to actually show up and have a word for you. But in that moment, it's not going to contradict the recorded Word of God. And so if somebody said Jesus showed up and they spoke to them that Jesus is coming back tomorrow on the 10th of July, I'm going to cry, liar, liar, pants on fire. Because that contradicts the Word of God. If somebody shows up and says, it's okay for me to hurt or hate my brother... Liar, liar, pants on fire, because that contradicts the Word of God. You see, the Spirit speaking to the churches doesn't contradict the recorded Word of God, because God is not a liar. And God does not say one thing in the the book of Ephesians and turn around and say something else in South Daytona. It doesn't work that way. And in a refuge of grace, that's why we have to be a people that are committed to the Word of God, so that we can properly discern what the Spirit is saying to the churches in every one of our lives, in every one of our lives. Now I want to point something else out here that I just am blown away by every time I read this short passage of Scripture. From verse 10, 11 and 12, Paul shows up and he's preaching in the Jewish synagogue. They then dive into the Scriptures. The Scriptures tell us that they studied them every day. They, they put in the effort. They took the initiative to actually do that. And then as they did that, there were many Jews and Greeks whose lives were changed because they sensed, and it was confirmed in the Word of God, what the Spirit was actually saying to the church. But did that save them from heartache And did that save them from problems? Absolutely not. Because if you look at verse 13... Follow along as I reread this to you... Because I want you to actually catch this. When the Jews in Thessalonica... Learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea... They went there too, agitating the crowds... And stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast. But Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. You see, as Paul and the believers in Berea were committed to the Word of God, they were committed to hearing what the Spirit was saying to the churches, there were some people that didn't like that. And whenever you get committed to the Word of God, and whenever you get committed to having a conversation with God, so we speak and then He speaks back to us, there will always be people that show up that cause chaos in your life. And the question in this moment is what are you going to be committed to? What are you going to yield to? Are you going to yield to the word of God? Or are you going to yield to those people that are causing chaos? Where do you want to live your life? In the peace that comes from the word of God? Or in the chaos from those who don't know who God actually is? It always happens that way. And this ideal that we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and we commit to His Word and hearing what the Spirit says to the church and then everything is going to be all sunshine and roses for the rest of our time here on earth does not happen. It's not the truth of the Scripture. And if anybody's preaching that Gospel, it is contrary to the truth, not just in the lived experience in the book of Acts and the lived experience in our lives, but it's contrary to the Word of God. Whenever you commit to Jesus Christ and whenever he becomes your savior, you're committed to the word of God and you're committed to this intimate relationship with him that he desires. There's always chaos people. But you know what's amazing about the chaos people? They must be silent by the word of God. They don't have power. They can't harm us. Oh, Sure, they could take our lives. But that's just for a moment here on the earth. And Paul addressed that issue by saying to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. And that's what we all want to do, right? And so while they may harm us physically, they can't touch us spiritually. The encouragement from this passage of Scripture is that God is a God who has spoken in his word, and he's a God that is still speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. And in those moments, he will guard us and he will guide us, and it doesn't matter about the chaos people of the world. The question is, who are we going to engage in conversation and who are we going to listen to? Do you want to listen to God? Or do you want to listen to those bringing chaos and persecution into your life? The choice is really Up to us. But the question you have to ask is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Honestly, the easy thing here for the Berean believers would have been to run Paul and Silas and Timothy off and say, get out of here. We were doing just fine, committed to reading these scriptures, com- reading some of the Psalms, reading the, the prophets. We were doing just fine without this. And then you show up, other people are hearing about this, and all of a sudden, uh, we've got tons of chaos here. Just get out of here. But they weren't. Because they knew that God was a God who loved them and wanted to be involved in every single area of their life. I want to close with this. American theologian Willie James Jennings, who has some great writings uh, specifically about this section in the book of Acts. He says this, while many of the Christian groups who find inspiration from the Bereans focus on a love of Scripture, their eagerness was not limited to studying the Scripture. Their attitude as welcoming, welcoming the newness of what God was doing Welcoming new expressions of faithfulness of God. Welcoming the person of God in Jesus Christ and in Holy Spirit. Like Paul, even into their community. The Bereans are in fact not that different from the people of God in Thessalonica. Their difference, however, pivots on a simple desire. They wanted to listen to what God was saying. So which area would we identify with? Would we identify with the Bereans who were committed to the Scripture, but committed to what the Spirit was saying to them in the moment? Or do we want to identify with the Thessalonians? It's like, nope. I'm, not, I'm drawing the line, and I'm not going there. Which people do we want to identify? Which people do we want to identify with here in this refuge of grace? In a refuge of grace... You have to have a line of communication direct with the giver of grace. Because of that line of communication with the giver of grace is severed or silenced. Grace eventually runs out. And that's what we see with the chaos dwellers here in Acts chapter 17. So who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Have you been committed to the word of God? but then you haven't continued that relationship to the point to where you say god i know that you've spoken your word but i need you to speak to me in this moment have you been committed to studying in the scriptures or maybe even hearing the scriptures but then you need to go a step further and begin to have a conversation with god or maybe you've had the mindset of i don't understand what the bible says and so it's just a book that i'm just going to put off and i'm going to let other people have some uh, commitment to that. This morning, I want to ask you to be committed to two things. One, to the Word of God, reading it, understanding it, and letting it shine a light on your life's path. But then also taking the next step. And that next step of hearing, as they did at the beginning of Revelation, what the Spirit is saying to the church living out Jesus's words in John chapter 10, where he said, my sheep listen to my voice and they follow in obedience.
0: Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week.